Well, we're launching a new series this weekend, and it's about the amazing power of commitment in the human life. It's about the nobility of being a commitment-making, commitment-honoring, commitment-keeping human being. All the while understanding, and you know it, we live in a keep your options open, always have an exit strategy, never get tied down kind of a world. If you're single and you're seriously wanting to know more about God, but you'd love to find a life partner and you're wondering, is it okay to be part of the reason I'm in church is maybe to find somebody who might be my husband or my wife. Is that okay? Absolutely. I have to say our church is a great place to meet somebody. In fact, go ahead and look around right now. If you see somebody that looks promising and you want to change seats, you might want to go ahead. (laughs) I was thinking sometimes bars do a better job than churches at saying everybody's welcome nobody's perfect. If you're single, sometimes it can feel like bars are designed for single people, but churches are designed for married people. That is absolutely not true. Jesus was a single guy. The church is His church. So I'm really glad you're in church right now and not in a bar. One of our commitments is to be a place where married people, single people, young people, old people, every color of people is welcome. See, commitment can be a real scary word sometimes, even when it's a small deal. Probably nobody else ever hears this, but I can remember with our kids, we'd have a conversation that went like this. Any of you parents had it? Do do you want to come home for dinner tonight? Maybe. I don't know. I'll see. Now, what's underneath that is this. I might get a better offer. Then if I'm already committed to you, I'd be missing out on that. And I wouldn't want to miss out on that. It could be a bigger deal. You want to get married? I don't know. Maybe. I might get a better offer. Do you want to commit to God? Do you want to commit financially to tithing? Do you want to join the church and commit to a community of people? Do you want to make a commitment that if you get married, you'll only marry somebody who shares your faith in God? Do you want to voluntarily commit a chunk of your time in unglamorous service to under-resourced people? See, if I, I get it that making a commitment is scary because commitment is a promise about the future, and out in the future, things can change. What if I promise to marry you, and then I change? What if I promise to marry you, but you change? What if I promise to be your friend, but we have an argument, or I don't feel close to you anymore? What if I promise to follow God, but tomorrow I don't feel like following God? Oh, I have those days all the time. What are you looking at me for? I just said I have those feelings. I don't live by feelings, right? See, another word for uncommitted is the word we obsess over in this culture. I got to be free. I got to be free. See, the commitment phobia is afraid of missing out on something. As long as I'm not committed, then I'm free to grab it, free to see whoever I want, eat whatever I want, free to do whatever I want, buy whatever looks good, say whatever seems useful, experience anything or any pleasure I desire. I'm free. The way to be free according to conventional wisdom is whatever you do, avoid commitment. Don't get committed. But there is a minority opinion in the kingdom of God that uh, values and delights 
in commitment making, commitment honoring, and commitment keeping. And those people experience a kind of freedom that commitment avoiders will never, ever know. You know, the two words, let me pause a minute, the two words Jesus used to shape your whole life, just two words, yes, no. They're called boundary words. You are who you are, where you are, what you are right now, unless you just got born, based on your use of those two words. You get to choose yes or no. It's a fact. You, it, it's, you, get, to, you get to build your own life in your own, your own future. Uh, I'm in, I'm out. There's one word not anywhere in the Bible or in the kingdom of God. Maybe. If I feel like it. If the weather doesn't change. No. It's yes, no. I'm in, I'm out. I'm committed, I'm not committed. No, maybe. This country reeks with that kind of a, an attitude. It affects business. It affects employees. It affects churches. It affects marriages, everything. Well, if you don't change, if you don't gain weight, if you don't get any stretch marks, if nothing better comes along, now you're not going to build anything on that kind of a life. The Christian writer G.K. Chesterton wrote a fabulous essay where he said, the man who makes a vow makes an appointment with himself at some time in the future. In the act of commitment, I bind myself to that future moment. I'm not free to love another woman. I'm not free to spend that money on me. I am not free to follow another God. And yet somehow that not free commitment leads to a deeper freedom than all the options and escape clauses in a commitment-phobic world. It is the commitment maker who gets freedom to love and to grow. Commitment. I mean, nobody in business says to a new employee, man, I expect you to give me about 75%. No coach says to the team, boys, get out there and give me about 90%. Only Christians approach God like that. Uh, what are the daily minimum requirements? <laughs> What's the least I have to do to get in? Boy, that's going to build a great marriage and a great life. The commitment avoider becomes a slave to whatever desire comes along, to a life of small, petty sins. The minority opinion got expressed a long time ago from Jesus in John chapter, uh, John chapter 8 in the Passion Translation. Here's what he says in verse 31. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove you are my followers. For if you embrace the truth, it will release more freedom into your lives. And then verse 34, he said, I speak eternal truth. When you sin, you are not free. You become a slave in bondage to your sin. Hey, pause a moment. How about this guy, Jeffrey Epstein, this billionaire hedge fund operator who had a prison sentence revoked and was convicted but had it overturned in a plea bargain as a billionaire in prostitution with underage children. And now he's caught again uh, with his own island and underage girls and high-profile people being flown in to do it. Well, I'm a billionaire. I'm free to do what I want. But the guy was in bondage. He wasn't free. He's already been, he's going to risk his whole life, his whole future on underage girls when he can have any girl he wants legally, he would commit a felony and having dodged the bullet once does it again. Would you say he's free? He ain't free. I mean, I could be on drugs. He ain't free. I don't think you have to be a Christian to say that's stupid. 
Uh, that's just committing suicide. And that's what people do all the time. They can't quit. They say, I'm free to do what I want. Not anymore, you're not. Now you're a slave. See, in other words, if you commit yourself to obedience, that will actually lead you into the freedom to be the person God made you to be. If you think you're free to do whatever you want, you end up a slave to sin. Making a commitment, even though it's hard work, is nothing to be afraid of. Making the right commitment in the right spirit to the right obligation or assignment or value or person is one of the most noble things a human being can do. And the reason we're drawn to make commitment is that we alone of all the creatures on planet earth that God made, we're made in the image of a commitment-making, commitment-keeping God. Only human beings can do this. Only human beings can promise this, like, I'll meet you next Tuesday. An armadillo can't do that. I'll serve on that team with you. I'll keep that secret. I'll be your friend. I'll pray for you. I will have your back. You can count on me. Now, a dog can't make that promise. If they could, they would, and they'd die to keep it. That's a dog, but they can't. A cat can't make that promise. If they could, they would, and then they would break it and laugh in your face. <laughs> Cats. Yeah. See, people, people who follow God are commitment makers. And not just that, people who follow God make what looks like to people on the outside outrageous commitments. But they do it with fierce joy. And we're going to look very briefly at one of those people today in 1 Kings chapter 19. And there's a prophet named Elijah. He's an old guy. He's coming to the end of his ministry. He's looking for a replacement. So it says, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Japhat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, 24 oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him, threw his cloak, his mantle around him, and he left his oxen and ran after Elijah. He said, let me kiss my father and mom goodbye, then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied, what have I done for you? Now, this is a very dramatic moment. Elijah is an old man. He's standing in a field. There's plowing going on. He lets 11 pair of oxen go by. Then he walks over to Elisha, takes off his mantle, and that cloak was a symbol of his calling, of his office, his life's work, and he throws it on Elisha. And the meaning of it is real clear. Elisha, God's got a job for you, a call for you. Leave all of this. Now, this leaves out a lot of details I'd like to know about if I were thinking about taking that job. What's the health plan like? How many weeks of vacation would I get? If Elisha is going to be a prophet and Elijah is already a prophet, would there be some kind of a prophet sharing plan? <laughs> Forgive me, I couldn't resist that. I, uh, that's ugly. Now, we know Elisha has 12 teams of oxen at work. Now, what that means in that economy is that Elisha is a person of staggering wealth. In other words, he got options. He's got possibilities. He's got a bright future. He's a golden boy. He can have any girl in the village he wants. Leave all of that and attach himself to this old goat of a preacher who's penniless and knowing that an Old Testament prophet is going to be in danger and always being threatened or killed. Oh, this is really great. What's he going to do if something better comes along? He's got 12 teams of oxen, 24, and there's this very dramatic moment. Elisha has one request. He says, let me go kiss my mother and father goodbye. Then I'll come to you. 
Now that seems to me, that seems super reasonable, but Elisha's response to him seems a bit weird. Go ahead. What have I done to you? Now let me interpret that. You can hear the wheels turning in Elijah, the old man's head. Yeah, I bet if he runs home to mommy and daddy, they'll remind him of the trust fund, the keys to the car, the vacation home. Ah, this sucker's going to bail. I'll probably never see him again. But he does something very important. He gives Elisha the privilege to make the commitment himself. No pressure, no manipulation. You must decide. A good church will do that with people when it comes to God and commitment. You have to decide for yourself. I can't. See, and Elisha does. Elisha decides to say yes to God. So he comes back and he says to Elijah, I'm all set. I'm all in. Just one more thing I got to do. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment and he did it to cook the meat and give it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. He burned his plow. Get it? He comes back to Elijah. He's in. And he says, well, what should I do with all these oxen? He kills them. Now, the oxen don't like that part of the story. The idea is he's going to offer a sacrifice to God that represents offering his life as a sacrifice to God. Then he decides to turn the sacrifice into a party, and he gives the meat to all the people. You have any idea how many people you can feed with two oxen? One side of beef is huge. And one of the best things you can do if you're really serious about keeping a commitment, go public with it. And he's going public big time. If kissing his parents goodbye and killing his oxen and offering a sacrifice and going public isn't enough for him, he does one more thing. He burns the plow. You've heard that expression and what it means. There's no going back. I cannot go back to my old life. I burned the plow. You know, thinking about it, 44 years ago, I said, I do for better or worse with Cindy. I burned the plow. Well, haven't you had other options? I bet she has too. That's not the issue. But do your feelings ever change? Oh, mine are all over the place. Oh, yeah. You might turn over one day and say, my God, what happened to me? I don't know. You know, it happens to everybody. I'm simply saying, what holds people together ain't being hot and buff. Gravity will take care of that. Just wait a few years for some of you little hotsies. You, yeah, okay. Gravity will do its work on your chest will fall in your drawers. You know what, how, how that works. Furniture disease, they call it in time. No, what makes it work is commitment. What makes a great business is commitment. The employees have to buy in. They're just as committed as the owner committed to it. What makes a great church? Commitment. If I'm not there, Rick, my offering will be there. If I'm there, I'm going to serve. I'll give my time, my talent, my treasure. I'm in. That's it. I bought in. I'm committed. I hope you are. I hope you'll think about it today. When Elijah leaves him and Elisha is all by himself, he's thinking, I can't go back. I burned the plow. I don't have a plan B. See, as long as you've got an escape plan, you're going to use it. 
you got to get rid of that escape plan. You'll bail on your marriage. You'll bail on your vision, your dream, your, your career. You'll bail because it hurts, and you got an escape plan. And Satan always has escape boats. If you want to get away, he's always got nice ones lined up for you to take. But the unstoppable dangerous person is the committed person. 100% in, live or die, sink or swim, come hell or high water, I'm in. And when the king wants to kill this prophet, when the Arameans surround him, when a famine is starving him, when Israel rejects him, the one thing this guy knows, I can't go back. I burn the plow. That way of life is cut off from me. There's no retreat. That's what I call plow-burning commitment. In 1519, a conquistador named Hernan Cortez landed in Veracruz, Mexico to win glory in the New World. He came from Spain with 500 soldiers and 100 sailors on 11 ships. And when they landed, they were filled with uncertainty and fear. This was the New World, and some of the crew wanted to go back. So he gave them an order, burn the ships. In other words, Going back isn't going to be an option. We will succeed or we will die. We will flourish or we will perish, but we will not run away. We are committed. We're all in. Burn the ships. If you don't go into marriage like that or a career like that, you won't make it. No, you can go to heaven. Oh, you can bump around and maybe make a living instead of building a great life, but you won't have much. You won't be as happy. You won't be fulfilled. And it won't be because God just loves some other people more than you. It's about commitment. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And some of you are real naughty. And he says, I'm not leaving you. I, I, I'm glad he's committed to me. Yeah. But am I committed to him? Now, we're not called to glorify commitment. If commitment is attached to the wrong thing, it can do a lot of harm and a lot of damage. If a football player has an overpowering commitment to win the Super Bowl, no matter what it takes, but a non-commitment to obey God by honoring his wife, or if a business person has an unquenchable commitment to the success of his business, but he has a quenchable commitment to his family, that's actually idolatry. Ultimate commitment to a non-ultimate value is called idolatry. So when a human being makes an outrageous commitment to a noble calling of a supreme worthy God, when an ordinary human being says, I don't care how hard it gets, and it'll get hard. I don't care how high the cost. I'm not going back. I'm not turning around. I have charbroiled the ox. I have kissed off the trust fund. I've given up the keys to the car. The ships are smoking in the harbor. I burn the plow. That's a man that's unstoppable. And we have people in here who have built and invested in businesses and gone through horrible setbacks, abuse, patronized by people, racial discrimination, all kinds. But being unstoppable and totally committed has made them the success they are today. See, a power gets released on earth when you do that beyond human capacity. Church, I'm asking you, I'm asking me, where's God calling you to burn your plow? That's a good question. Maybe it's in your relational life. Maybe it's in your sexual life. You know, a pop-up on my Twitter feed said this past week, discover the top places to pick up other lonely hearts in the San Antonio area looking for their next pickup. 
Maybe, maybe you'd say, well, in a pick-up, hook-up culture, I'm making a commitment. I'm vowing not to be sexually intimate to a person outside of the commitment of the covenant of marriage. Maybe you're married, but that commitment's been kind of shaky. When Cindy and I got married 44 years ago, we had only one pre-marriage session that covered money, sex, conflict, in-laws, parenting goals, division of labor, and expectations. Yeah, right. Not good. I heard a counselor say to a couple getting married recently, what will you do if you wake up one morning and your feelings of love for each other are gone? <laughs> See, if it's my feelings, I ain't staying married. Not all the time. And neither would Cindy. Neither would you looking at me so self-righteous. Yeah, no would you. No, we're not, we don't stay married because every day we feel that, but we made a commitment. I don't have to go look at the marriage license, the paper I signed. I made a commitment. That's my word, period. You know? But here's what couples think. Oh, I'm so special. I am so magic that the feelings of love will never go away. Oh, excuse me, I'm going to be sick. They couldn't go away. They might for ordinary people like you, but not for us. They'll only grow more special and more magical every day. <laughs> All you long-married people ought to get a good laugh out of that. They actually believe that. It ain't going to happen, see? Honoring your commitment in a marriage doesn't mean I'm going to be a martyr. This is going to be so hard. It doesn't mean saying what a noble human being I am to continue to endure a loser like you. No. It's a thousand little commitments powered by God's grace. I'll listen. I'll give. I'll fight honestly. I'll make up. I won't go flirting in the bar. I won't go escaping in a bottle. I made a promise for better or worse, for richer or poor, in sickness and in health. I'll burn the plow. I burn the plow. And that ain't happening much today, folks. And you can't build on non-committed people. It's so bad, car companies will let you have their car for three months and then take it back because they, it can't get you to commit to anything. A gym will take your money for one day. You used to have to sign up for a year. Can't get anybody to commit to anything. Churches can't get people to commit to serve to, to, for anything over a day because, well, something better might come along. Or it might get to be 108 degrees today or whatever. Or there's crowds of cars on 281. Like when is there never cars on 281 crowded? Something's always torn up. It's always backed up. It's a mess. Suck it up. Just get up 15 minutes early and get here. Don't use, if I'm committed, I'm coming. I'll go around it, over it, through it, I'll, or I'll under it. I'll get there. I'll make it happen. I'm committed. You won't have to check up on me. You won't have to call the night before to remind me of my commitment. See, if you're married, have you burned the plow? I was reading a book about the corporate mission the other day. It had an interesting statement. The author said this, quote, The corporation has become in our day what family used to be 20 or 30 years ago. And I wanted to shout at the book, no, it has not. See, in a company, if you get a pink slip, you go to your supervisor and say, hey, you can't do this to me. I'm family. And he'll say, no, you used to be family. Now you're fired. In a good family, you can't get fired. That's one of the differences between a family and a company. 
You might want to write that one down. See, guys, what makes a family a family is not the birth of a child. What makes any family a family is a promise. It's a commitment. I'm your dad. I'm your mom. You might do anything to betray my values. You might deny my God. You might break my heart. I'll still be your dad. I'll never stop loving you. I made that clear to my kids. I hope you'll make it clear. And God makes it clear to you. I'll never stop loving you. Quit trying to make me. One of our wild child, I remember once some years ago saying to her, I said, look, you can't do anything to make me as daddy not love you, so why don't you quit trying? And, and for the first time, no response. You're like, didn't know what to say. See, it's just true. And God feels that way about you. Maybe, maybe work or disappointment or anger or busyness has caused you to break your promise as a mom or a dad. Maybe you've gotten a little lax on your commitment to help your little children come to know God and to be part of a spiritual community every week. You know, we got lots of great people who give their lives and energy every week who have committed themselves to be part of this spiritual community as a church where through our children's ministry, those little precious ones can be part of a little group who knows them and loves them and helps them know God loves them, that they have a purpose on earth. See, to make a commitment, to put a stake in the ground, to say every week I'm going to be here unless I'm on vacation or sick and make sure my kids are here too. Maybe that's been getting a little slack. It's time to burn the plow. And maybe like Elisha, God's calling you to make your life an act of service to him. You know, it's so strange how so many people who live for so much freedom get to the end of their lives and they can't remember what they did with all that money they were free to make and spend like they want. They can't remember how they used all the time they were so busy protecting They can't even remember what happened to all those relationships. They were so free to exit. You know, in the end, when they didn't have to commit to anything, they ended up with a life committed to nothing. See, it's not in our freedom, but it's in our commitments that we find ourselves. You know, I'm the one who committed myself to Cindy and to Chrissy and to Alicia and to Mia and to Ethan and to my son-in-law, Adam and to my ministry, and to my good friends, and to my God, and to Lord Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you hear this, and what you're thinking is, ah, shoot, I'm an inadequate commitment keeper. I've just blown it too many times. I get that. Hey, we all wrestle with that. We're human. Here's the deal. When you blow a commitment, let's say January 1st, begin again on January 2nd. When you blow off a vow you made at 10 o'clock, Start again at 10.01. And you can do that because of something called grace, beautiful grace. Our God is a commitment-keeping God, and when we fail, when we fall down, when we don't keep our commitments to Him, He keeps His commitment to us all the more at the cost of the cross where He died. See, the big commitment, the ultimate commitment a human being can make, the one that is worth your life, is the commitment to love and follow this Jesus who is infinitely committed to you. There is nobody more committed to you than he is. Nobody. Not your wife, not your daddy, not your best friend, not your government. No one who can say, I will never leave you or forsake you. Not anyone who can actually die and shed their innocent blood so you can have eternal life and forgiveness. Nobody. See, if you're visiting this weekend 
or you're watching online and you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're just thinking about the Christian faith, I hope you'll consider this. I hope you'll think about the role of commitment and commitment to Jesus above all. If you're part of our church, if you're a follower of Jesus, then guys, I have to tell you, I hope, I pray, we'll be the kind of church that is thrilled to be called to total outrageous commitment to Jesus that doesn't just come to hear, God loves you just the way you are, stinky. It's okay to go out and lead the same stupid life next week. Then you come back next week and you hear, God loves you no matter what. Well, watch. He does love you no matter what. But I hope we become the kind of a place where we love to be called to a higher outrageous commitment to Jesus and not because we're these noble committed people or we're better than anybody else, but just one reason. Because Jesus came to earth and nothing better is going to come along. Jesus himself is so humble that if a better way than his were to come along, Jesus would be the first person who would say, go for it, take it. But folks, nothing better has come along for 2,000 years. And I'll tell you a little secret. It ain't coming tomorrow. Here's the call. These words by a great author. And they remind me of that man, Elisha, who burned his plow. And they make me think about plows I want to burn. There is this announcement. Here it is. All around us is this city of small sins abounding in back ways and retreats. But surely, sooner or later, the towering flame will rise from the harbor, announcing that the reign of the cowards is over, and a man or woman is burning his ships. Burn the plow. Let's pray. Maybe there's a place in your life God's calling you to burn that plow, and you know it. God's calling you to total, absolute commitment. If you want to succeed, if you want to break out of the status quo, if you want to have a marriage that endures, it isn't going to be because you're both such nice people. It's going to be because of commitment. You won't keep a job because it's always fun or it's always fair, but because you're committed. That's the key. And that is one word that has disappeared from American culture commitment. No, it's always, it's always based around, well, if things don't change, as long as I get what I want, as long as he or she doesn't gain weight, well, uh, as long as I feel like it, you try to build a home, a business, a church on people like that. I'm a team leader. I, I'm a committed person. If I come on your team, I'm in 100%. And I want people on my team to be committed. Because I'm not asking you to commit to a human being. I'm asking you to commit to the Lord Jesus Christ. To commit to His spiritual family if God put you here. And be all in. Time, talent, and treasure. And build it and make it great. I don't want to be an average church. I don't want to be like everybody else. I want to be like we ought to be. Unique. We're all different. And, uh, and help people. Encourage people. Bring people to know Jesus. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.